0: Three, two, one, boom. Scott Towsley. Towsley. I've got to mess this up a couple of times. Scott (laughs) Towsley. Welcome to the show. Thanks for taking the time.
1: (gasps) Yeah, for sure. I'm happy, happy to be a guest as one of the am I one of the first guests? Is this how this works?
0: Yes, that's how it works.
1: Nice, cool. Very happy.
0: Yeah, I'm more than happy. Um (laughs) for anybody who doesn't know, who is Scott Towsley?
1: Uh, I'm a normal person, I guess. Um, so I I like to start off with like, what I enjoy actually doing. Uh, I don't like start a career. Uh, so I live in Encinitas, California. It's like basically just a suburb of San Diego. So I basically live in San Diego. Um, yeah. If I'm not usually on the computer, I'm doing so- something outside usually hiking or doing or not hiking surfing i used to hike a lot i don't hike as much anymore um and when i'm not doing that i actually am on the computer and i work uh for hubspot full-time so i work for hubspot full-time um and our team's job is basically to acquire as many users as possible to hubspot software
0: sounds like a nice job (laughs) um you, you also blog a lot and you're, you're very out there and I've uh, stalked some of your content um, pretty good, okay. by the way, okay. I can recommend this at this point to anybody uh, and everybody. And so um, one thing that you seem to be pretty passionate about at the moment is career growth and how to rapidly grow a career. Um, just to dive right into that, what do people need to know to grow their career, especially in the fast way?
1: Yeah, um, I mean, if you want like the ultimate, <laughs> the ultimate shortcut. Uh, usually, like I don't like giving ultimate shortcuts, but it it honestly is pretty simple. If you're working, I mean, it depends what you want to do for your career. If you want to work inside of a larger org or a startup or anything like that, that's one path. If you want to start your own thing, that's another path. Um, so, if you are inside of another org, basically, uh, figure out what is the most what is one of the biggest problems that no one has really solved yet, but someone needs to figure out and go and work on it and make it work. (laughs) (laughs) Find the biggest, one of the biggest problems of the company and go and figure out a way to get it to work. Like that's, that's if you can summarize it, boil it down all the way to the, the root, like that's really it. Uh, Like where is, where's the trajectory One thing that the founder of HubSpot likes saying all the time is like skate where the puck is going. I think it's like a Gretzky quote or something like that. Uh, But it's very true. You know, like what's the direction things are heading and then how can you kind of like make sure you're there?
0: I have questions, Scott. All right, cool. uh... (laughs) Uh, Okay, let's imagine I'm a young marketer, maybe first job after college and I work for HubSpot. So first... How do I identify these big problems like what is an approach or a framework that I could use to hopefully find some of these problems that nobody is seeing how can i how can I understand where the puck is going?
1: yeah um, I mean one thing is it's it's also i've found that it's also somewhat of like uh uh like an art form in a way like can you can I be like, Kevin, you need to be a great painter? You know, like I, you can keep working. Well, maybe you are a great painter, but you can like keep working on it. Um, or for me, like I've always wanted to be a musician, but I'm a horrible musician. And it's just like I have a really hard time getting to that place. And it's the same thing with like innovation or working on a really tough problem. Um, it can be hard to recognize in an equal sense that it can be hard to basically figure out how do I paint this beautiful thing on a Blake canvas? You know, so it's like, how do you actually do it? (laughs) Just like honestly spending time figuring out like, okay, what are some possibilities? So you have to be able to come up with, um, you know, possible, you know, speaking in terms of like user acquisition, what's a, what's a possible new um, thing that we can actually try? And so then it's actually going out there and trying it. Um, it there's just not there's not a straightforward answer to it, to be honest. it's You kind of just got to have the conversations, work with the other people at the company, and figure it out. Just start working on, like, someone says that's a tough problem, jump on it, start working on it.
0: Yeah, it sounds a lot like, you know, adopt a test, measure, learn, mindset but first of all understand how the company works right i see i think that's a mistake that a lot of people make especially a lot of people that are new to the job they just they they don't make the effort to really understand how the company works in lots of facets right and then the the second question i have for you about that is i'm a young marketer at hubspot fresh out of college how should i balance the asks from my boss with finding a problem that nobody's working on
1: Mm, well hopefully uh your boss isn't giving you orders either um and that's like the that's definitely a balance to strike of course is like with someone straight out of school uh it's like here's the problem how do you think we should solve it and like i think that's also somewhat on the the manager as well, is to say, you know, here's here's the issue that we actually have right now. Um, what do you think we should do? And so it gives, it gives people a little bit of freedom um, to actually be able to come up with different varying solutions. Uh, it, so how do you balance what your manager is telling you to do versus you figuring out what you should do? Step one uh, is having actual open this are the the number one rule on our team is honesty and this is what i tell every single person on um our team is like i have to know how you're feeling if you're annoyed with me tell me if you think i'm doing something wrong tell me if you're super pumped tell me i can't read your mind i'm in san diego you're halfway across the country or the world i don't know what's happening and i don't know what's going on if we don't have an open communication and so ideally when you're trying to balance what how can i innovate in some way shape or form versus what can my uh what is my manager telling me to do hopefully that's not necessarily the dynamic that anyone has where the manager is like a one-way here's what you need to do it's more fluid and um uh has a little more like autonomy i guess that's like my philo- personal philosophy
0: i totally agree with that uh, i yeah. i love that kind of way of being managed as well um and saying hey look here's here's what success looks like bring me ideas show me how to get there and honestly me using that myself with my team yields pretty good results most of the time from a couple of perspectives for one, again, it provides that autonomy and flexibility. But on the other hand, it also shows me how people think about problems. Mm-hmm. And I think we live in this world and we work in this industry or in this field where problem solving is one of the most important skills. And there's not always this straight line to something, right? There's not this surgery procedure or this handbook about law. Okay, handbook might be a bit, underestimating, but you get what I'm saying. You know, there's not yeah. this rule book or this this straight guideline on how to do something. It is much more a creative problem solving approach that most of us have to master. And so I'm in a way also curious about how people think about solving an approach. And sometimes you find these really smart ideas that you even haven't thought about and then you understand, oh, okay, um that that person is is you know, is progressing really fast and is very capable. And then other times it's something that you can teach to people and you can see, okay, they might not think of it the right way. They get lost in details. They don't keep the goal in mind or stuff like that. And you can guide them much better. But I feel like it's something that you can can teach them. It's something valuable for the rest of their lives. So I'm a huge fan. Mm -hmm. And then along that line, I'm also curious, how do you build trust with somebody who reports to you Mm-hmm. to share their honest feelings? Because I think it goes both ways, right? Like I'm really trying to be very honest with my boss and then there's a certain comfort zone and there's a certain zone outside of that comfort. Um, and I, I'm i curious about how can I facilitate the same for people reporting to me? So what have you learned as a manager to create trust with your team?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've, I no I always feel weird giving like advice because I've no, you know, I'm trying to figure all this stuff out too. What has worked for me, I believe, is just setting expectations up front. Like, look, you have to be honest. You have to be honest. Like, you can tell me I am the worst manager you've ever had in your entire life. That's okay. I want to know those things, but you just have to tell me. And then why? Because what I'll do is I'll take in that information, I'll absorb it, I'll think about it and be like, okay, yeah, definitely. And then I'll. Improve and we'll work together on improving that. And so, how do you actually build that trust with the people on your team? It's the same thing with your, you know, my girlfriend or my family or anyone. You have to be just open and completely honest and upfront and setting the right expectations that no matter what, we'll be honest with each other. And I think with that, that really does lay the foundation for like trust um, and having an open dialogue. So, just equally. I'll try, I'll try to prompt, um, like, you know, what is, what's something that I can do to help out? Is there anything more that I can be doing? Um, that is one, that's like one small thing. And then at least on our, our small team, like I don't have, a, I have just a couple of people basically on, on my team, you know, it's, it's a really small team. Um, but every month we basically do these like monthly career catchups and we ask uh, I asked three questions. So one, you know, what's your ENPS? Um, essentially, just how happy are you right now? Nothing to do with your projects. Just like uh, you, relative to what you're working on at HubSpot, like how satisfied. Sometimes it's a nine or a ten. Sometimes it's a five or a six. And so then I'm like, okay, cool. That's good to know. At least I have a right a, a pulse for how you're doing. And then second question: What do you want to work on more? Third question is what do you want to work on less? That's it. There's really three questions, and that ha- that helps keep a healthy pulse on what's going on. And so I can know, like, okay, cool. As projects are coming up, that's actually a really good fit for this person because there's this um this like Venn diagram that Kevin Lee from Buffer showed me a long time ago, um where it's it's like three parts. One, uh, what are you good at? Two do you want to be and then three what does the business need and so you got to like figure out a balance to to sit right oh god i almost lost my mic uh sit right in the middle of all of that Uh, and that's really really difficult i think that's where being a good manager comes into play like if you have someone who's really good at something this reminds me of like uh content writers Happens all the time. Happened to me. Happened to like basically everyone I know who is like a a blogger, content writer at some point. They're they're uh they're they're good at it and the business needs it. After a certain point in time, they don't want to keep doing it. They want to start doing something else because they're like, I just feel like I'm a journalist or I'm I'm not actually providing I don't really see like the value of what I'm doing. Like, yeah, sure, I get more traffic, but like, so what? What does that actually contribute to? And so it's missing that component that like, what do I want more exposure doing and what do I want to get better at? And so by having these catch-ups, that helps uh, me at least understand, okay, what more can I be giving this person? Because you want to help basically everyone uh, just be really satisfied with what they're working on. And of course there's that too. It's like, well, what do you want to get better at business doesn't need it that's really hard to balance as well. And so there's this constant like pushing and pulling and trying to, to get things to line up.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask about that tension between a person wanting to really improve in or do more of something that the business doesn't have the need in. It's hard. It's really,
1: it's really hard. I mean, it's the same for me too. You know, I have a hundred different things that I want to get better at, but it's not really applicable to my job right now. Um, and so like, how do you kind of, balance the two and i i'll never forget this thing that um so brian Belfour was the vp of growth at uh, hubspot like hubspot's first vp of growth when he was a product called psychic and he told me this thing where um you always want to keep one foot in the known and one foot in the unknown to where like you you stick with what you're good at and then you work on something else and then as you get better okay cool there's a new known that you can put your foot in and then you can go and work on the next thing that's semi related to that or like adjacent and i found that to be super helpful too
0: yeah brian is just a smart person (laughs) very smart person and i i totally agree with that so how do you how did you how do you get that right for your career at the moment how do you create those unknown opportunities for you
1: yeah um i mean one is just Trying to figure out like what is the the next thing that I feel like I'm missing that I want to get better at, um, and then two, trying to figure out a way to apply that to um, whatever project or like whatever position I'm in at the time. So like one one example, personal example, I guess it was a few years ago was I was just like writing all the time, I was just churning out articles all the time. I'm like I felt that I felt that, like what what am I doing? Like, what's the point of this? Like, why is this actually providing any value? <clears throat> and then would bring that up consistently in, uh, with like my manager at the time. And then eventually that got moved over to doing more, uh, copywriting. So to Jason, you now like I was doing more sales copywriting versus strictly just content writing. And so I kind of moved over to that And that was like one foot in the known and then one foot in the unknown and got better and better and better at copywriting, which, you know, still never became great at it by any capacity. And then I was working on that. I'm like, okay, what's next? And then I got more into the like marketing automation, technical side of that. And then I moved over to that. And then I was doing copywriting in in this. And then I'm like, okay, well, what's next after that? And kept following that chain. Um, I guess that's a personal anecdote or example of it.
0: Yeah, I want to hear all the personal stuff if you're open for it. Uh, so, what is something that you that that is what unknown is your foot in right now? What is something that you're building currently in terms of skill set?
1: Mm, yeah. So we always kind of divide things into soft skills and technical skills, um, at least on our team at HubSpot because they're equally as important and they hold an equal amount of weight. Um, one of the things that I just started doing was rolling and rolling in the uh, like SQL and advanced data analysis course from Udemy. Um, So going through that, because what I found is that we'd be, I'd be digging through a lot of GA data um, and doing a lot of manual stuff. And I'm like, this is stupid. Why am I doing this? You know, I'm wasting my own time. Um, And so how can we kind of take that and as we're working through, uh, we basically have this like new user acquisition strategy, which I t- told you about in the email. I can't really talk about it right now just because it's s- still kind of low key. Um, but re- it requires a lot of data analysis. Um, and so I feel like I'm, I'm really hindering my own speed and the team speed and everyone's speed by not being well versed enough and like uh, analyzing big data sets. And that's not something that I've ever spent a ton of time doing, um, like really, really analyzing huge data sets. So that's kind of my unknown that I'm currently in right now.
0: That's very interesting. Um, can you recommend the Udemy SQL course? And if so, then I'll, I'll certainly add it to the show notes.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's uh, What's the actual name of it? Uh, I think this is just the lesson. Ah, it's so right here. This first one is just as uh, to. Gotcha. Yep. I know. And so, yeah, it just kind of goes through like uh, running through da- tables and data cleaning and talks about like more advanced join functions and all that stuff.
0: Nice. Yeah, I, I love that. I'll certainly add it to the show notes. I'm also right now thinking about how to build a, a data warehouse where we just combine more data into BigQuery uh, from several sources. And then obviously SQL is a major part of that. Um, but to be honest, I also have hired a marketing analyst that helps me with that and takes a lot of care of the data science side of things. But that's certainly mm-hmm. such a universal skill, SQL, because first of all, it's very applicable to, in, in many um uh, in lots of different contexts, but it's also something that helps you think in a different way. So I find that I find that very interesting. And then in the same realms, you also wrote an article, which again I'll link to in the show notes, called "Growth Experiments and My Idiotic Mistakes." Uh, can <laughs> you can you fill us in a little bit about uh, what the most idiotic t- uh, mistake is that you made so far?
1: Yeah, I feel like I need to pull up that article. I that was uh a while ago let's see wow i do not really leverage my my blog as i should all right so i wrote that i wrote that a year ago um and i was saying confusing a hypothesis with a prediction the mo okay so the most common that i would see is that's like really related to um Uh running a test like running an actual test and not as many teams like we'll actually be doing that. You know, we have dedicated teams that are set up to be optimizing, whereas we have other teams that are set up to be driving more and more and more traffic. So that doesn't always mean that we're going to constantly be running tests at that type of magnitude. So the kind of the second two that are the most common is confusing vanity metrics with success metrics and then falling into the trap of success theater. So I would say, uh, Confusing vanity metrics with success metrics is like happens all the time, all the time. It's just obnoxious hearing it (laughs) where it's like, oh, sweet. We, um, and this is like with many, many, many different companies that I've talked to. uh, And they're like, yeah, you know, like we found that we increased this number, like traffic by a certain. Uh, percentage. I'm like, okay, that's awesome. Like, what, what was the result of that? And they're like, well, I don't know, but like, our traffic's way up. I'm like, okay, cool. Um, I'm, and this is like a really hot debate, um, even internally with a bunch of other people at HubSpot. Like, we've talked about this so much. Like, when you're building a content strategy, do you start in the middle? My philosophy. I'm very opinionated on this. You start in the highest possible level of intent. So when someone's looking up like best blank uh software basically and you start there and then you work your way out from the user journey based on the lower levels of intent but you don't work your way out until you really start um like you have all the content that you possibly could create from the highest intent and then you go out and then as you go out you know there's an inverse correlation between volume and intent typically is what happens and so then you can use the higher volume and then you can use more like link baity type pieces of content to link to the high intent stuff to raise the high intent in search engines. So uh, there's but the focus isn't on traffic. The fo- you know this would be like for a freemium product basically. The focus is on getting more people engaged in using the product. That's the point. Like creating like writing content, doing videos whatever is good if your goal is branding. It's not good if your goal is getting free users, because writing about whatever, uh, you know, motivational quotes, ton of search volume. Does that have anything to do with the product you're selling? No. So should you? Should there be any celebration around an increase in traffic to that? No, there shouldn't. Uh, but. Then there's the, the opposite, you know, opinion, which is like, well, traffic is traffic and you get exposure to your brand. And by having that traffic that will only, you know, lead into, you can use that leverage to link into other articles. And, you know, there's, there's a, there's a counter argument to it too, but I'm pretty wrong on the start with a high intent and In all of that vanity metrics and picking metrics that actually matter.
0: For sure, and then how do you how do you find the metric that actually matters for your business? What's what's the best way to think about that?
1: Yeah, so we talked about Brian already, um, his uh, course on Reforge, which I think you're a part of, yeah. Kevin. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. His stuff on Reforge is great. Basically, on building a model, because you can see like what are the actual um, inputs that impact that affect the output. So if you tweak your traffic by this much, what will the output be? If you tweak your conversions by this much, what will the output Out. It's a very high-level example. Uh, but actually modeling out the different scenarios, and we do this now a lot with like, uh, we have an affiliate program, we have um, this new channel that we're building, we have like Virality as a channel, and we can start modeling out in between these channels if we focus on this one metric, what's going to be the result?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And the Reforce is probably one of the best courses that I ever took. Um, and I don't even get an affiliate commission for that or anything else. Uh, it's just, honestly, it's a fantastic product. So good that I paid it completely out of pocket and don't regret a single cent. Um,
1: and it is. Yeah, same here.
0: Yeah, yeah it's, it's amazing, uh, period. In the same realms of building different parts of the funnel, um, or being present in in certain pieces of the user journey. You also wrote a guest article on buffer titled seven powerful social media experiments that grow traffic by 241% in eight months. So without, you don't have, we don't have to go too deep into the article, but I'm just curious. Um, have you learned anything new about any sort of experiments or better, better said, have any experiments that you have run in the, past or since then um provided any surprises for you or any any surprising results
1: yeah definitely in the past so personally i've just like really worked my worked my way around hubspot trying a bunch of different stuff uh so like started off with blogging then went more into like sales copywriting and automation then went more a part of that into like um Working with a bunch of like super good, awesome people at HubSpot to build the first like PQL machine, so the product qualified lead machine, in like 2015, 2016, something like that. Um, and as a part of that, <clears throat> was running a lot of tests. And then after that, we released a new customer service product. So I was like working on marketing and user acquisition for that, and now working on user acquisition for all products. So now we're not working on it as a higher volume of tests as we would be if we were in a proper like growth monetization role which i'm not in anymore there's an entire team at hubspot dedicated to doing that and running a ton of tests but i can walk through like an old experiment and a newer one so the older one is on hubspot we have a ton of knowledge base articles and it's like i'm trying to figure out how do i use blank feature Forms, meetings, landing pages, like whatever. And we had a, a free freemium tools at the time. I mean, I and so what we're thinking is, okay, as someone's trying to, they're getting deeper and deeper into the product usage of the free tools. Well, inside of the knowledge base, we can start adding like PQLs and upgrade points of like, great, so you're trying to figure out how do I create a folder to put multiple templates into that and then link that to a sequence or what. And was trying to figure out. And sorry, a sequence is uh, a free and HubSpot where it's like a series of automated follow-up emails. Uh, someone's trying, they're getting deeper into the product. If we surface any type of upgrade point there, we'll at least get some type of lift. Uh, it might not be huge. It might be small or, or it might be big. It might be small. So we're going to add some to articles that get a a large amount of volume and the result was nothing (laughs) like like, it was a total failure and i was so gung-ho about it like this is gonna be sick like we haven't touched it it's just untapped real estate like we're gonna get so much out of it it totally bombed uh (laughs) didn't work out whatsoever and so a recent example which isn't a test um but something we're doing with like the newer acquisition channel is trying to figure out uh, we're targeting certain keywords and we basically are guessing what's going to be the conversion rate. If we rank in for this keyword that we're actually targeting and we have just gotten, we're so wrong like (laughs) on so many different ones where we're like, okay, well this is no intent. Like we're not going to drive signups to it. And so we would start like basically guessing. It makes that's another thing too. We found it a lot more fun to be like, okay, what do we think is going to happen? Um, and then it forces us to like guess, see what happens, use that as like a new way, and you basically improve your guessing essentially over time, which helps prioritize what should we actually do. Um, and it <laughs> <that> was bad. <laughs> uh, like our our guesses have been like so wrong. Uh, over time, and there it's always good. Like we we usually underestimate what the impact's going to be, and the impact's way higher. We're like holy shit, I did not think that would end up happening. I did not think that this specific keyword would that type of volume of uh, new users.
0: Oh yeah, I love that. I'm a huge fan of testing assumptions and just basically it's almost like betting. You know, you like you're like, hey, I bet this will do X, and then mm-hmm. you. You place your bets before the roulette wheel is being spun, and then you get better at placing bets in general. I love that,
1: that yeah. framework. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: there's so much, yeah, surprising stuff that can, can come out of that. So, I mean, user acquisition um, is a huge field. What are you personally curious about at the moment that that relates to your job? Like, what is fascinating you right now?
1: Mm, like relative to all of the stuff we're working on right now. Um, I I sorry for saying this again. This new user acquisition channel that we're trying to build is like really fascinating. Uh, another thing we're we're doing right now is trying to figure out basically mass automation across all of our partners and not not email automation, not sending partner emails, internal automation. So tasks that we would be doing ourselves manually over and over. We're basically using like HubSpot software to to like route and automatically add things to someone else's like prospecting pipeline. And as soon as something hits a certain level in the relationship, that auto pings the next person who's like, hey, FYI, this happened, and that pulls in data and so it's like this automation of internal notifications based on different like leverage points we can have with partners that's super interesting right now um and another thing that we started working on a while ago but we haven't really figured out yet to be honest and i don't even know if it's going to work um is some variant of like a refer a friend type situation Uh, we have different programs we have an affiliate program we have uh, other, basically partner programs, but could we get some type of refer a friend to work? We have no idea. Uh, so that's something we've floated around. Uh, and then another couple of things with like virality that we've been that have been on the back burner for too long. Uh, basically, like right now, if you use a, a product that's paid for. Um, there's no powered by branding, which I think is great. One um, thing we've thought of is like, well, what if there was as an option? And if you show it, you get X incentive. What would happen then? Because the real power users are the ones paying for it. And some power users are like, absolutely not, I will never show branding. Others are like, I don't care. If I get a free subscription or if I get a, a whatever, you know, we... We we don't know what that incentive would actually be, but playing around a little bit more with product virality is super interesting as well. So that's like four different things. <laughs> like there's there's always new stuff that's popping up.
0: Totally, I think that make that's part of what makes your drop so exciting, is you have that whole bandwidth of things that you can pick from, um, and it's probably in a lot of senses a surf or a stage for problems that nobody sees that you're tackling to kind of come back to the beginning of that conversation uh it sounds to me like you're in a a really good spot to to just do that for the company and you know i mean jesus and you have so many things that you could follow uh and experimentation is certainly, and that kind of mindset that comes with it is certainly the right approach for that so one last question that i'm really curious about is you mentioned in the beginning that you uh wanted to become a musician and then figure out that it you know it might not be your biggest skill um, in, that, mm. in that way. So I'd love to just learn like what type of musician did you want to be? And then also how did, you, um, how did you accept the reality that you might not be the best fit for that? Because I assume it is a similar mindset that you need for accepting that certain experiments failed or that maybe certain problems that you thought were really important to solve are actually not that important.
1: Mm, yeah. I mean, with that specific example, I always go back and forth because I'm like, okay, do I really suck or have I just not put in enough effort and gotten the right like coaching or training or whatever? Um, yeah, it's a, it's the same question of if you have a startup and at what point, and it's like kind of stalemating or flatlining, at what point in time are you like, okay, this is kind of just done. I'm going to hang up the towel and move on. Or it's like, no, you got to persist and you got to keep going and you got to keep trying this thing and it'll work out. You know, there just becomes a point of there's a fine line between optimism and just being delusional. Yeah. Um, And it's hard. Like, it depends on the situation of how you're going to walk the line. I guess like with the the music example, um, I don't know. I just feel like I've always put in like a pretty fair amount of effort and just haven't seen as much upside. But a lot of it can depend on like your coach or your training or whatever. Um, and if you don't have the right, uh, person who's like helping you along the way, sometimes you need it. Sometimes you don't, but sometimes you do. And with a test or an experiment or something like that, um, Running a test is like a little bit more straightforward. What where you get tripped up, and that actually is something that I've seen happen, is the the point from like uh, Tal Raviv where he talks that article about confusing a hypothesis with a prediction, and that is a huge part on like when should you quit versus when should you keep trying, is when people confuse the two, because what happens is let's say we want to run a test or we want to try reducing the number of, I don't know, fields on a form, something like that. And someone's like, well, we already tried that before. Well, you tried one version of it before. So it just, it's very, of course, dependent, but I think that is a huge takeaway is like, there's always a different, you can always look at the problem in a different lens and try a different solution.
0: Yeah. I think that's great advice also for people who ask, how can I, grow my career in a fast way is maybe look at problems that somebody already attempted to solve and see if there's another angle to them or see if there's more context to them and try to tackle them in a different way. I mean, just as you said, there's so much to experimentation. And in fact, there is this um, trend of replicating uh, big studies. So I think, I think if I'm correct, oh my God, I might be wrong here, but I think this uh, super... Famous marshmallow test where they test if kids eat the marshmallow or not. I'm sure everybody heard about this. Um, uh-huh. I'm, I think they replicated that and came to slightly different results, but I might be completely butchering that. Anyway, I think that that could be uh, helpful advice to anybody asking themselves how to grow their career in a fast way. Um And I also feel like you made a little Johnny Cash reference when you said walk the line. So that was super meta with uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> your musician <kind> of background. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, that, I think that's super helpful um, for everybody, uh, and including myself. Um, cool. Thank you for all that. I know I want to be super respectful of your time. And I feel like I got a ton of value out of that conversation. And so for anybody listening, um, where can people learn and hear more about you?
1: Yeah, um, I highly recommend not going to my personal website unless you just want to send me a message because you can do that there pretty easily. Uh, <laughs> I don't touch it. Um, you can... Uh, well, I So I also have a podcast with um, someone else I work with at HubSpot here in Flanagan, uh, and that's called Growth TLDR. And Kevin has been a guest, one of our earliest guests that we actually had on the show. That's probably my most active Project that I'm working on right now is that podcast with Kieran. And then, um, yeah, I guess just like Twitter, SJ Towsley. (laughs) That's (laughs) probably my second most active thing that I do. But other than that, I don't really use LinkedIn that much. Awesome. Yeah. I'll
0: not link the show notes to your personal site. People can. You, you can. <laughs> yeah, you can
1: You can go for it. Maybe it'll help me with SEO value, even though it doesn't really matter. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, then I will link to it. Uh, and Growth TLDR is <laughs> certainly an amazing podcast with super insightful stuff on it. Uh, Scott, thank you so much for your time. And thank you for that insightful conversation. I really appreciate it. Uh, and I'm looking forward to the next time.
1: Cool. Sounds good. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks for having me.
0: Have a nice day.